Good morning. Hey, Renata, nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Everybody, this is Renata Music from Mansfield, Ohio. Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, I live in Shelby technically, but I teach out of the Mansfield Y, so both places, I guess. Okay, cool. <clears throat> well, Renata is a fourth degree. First of all, Renata is a good, is a, is a very sweet, nice person that I got to meet a few years ago. She, to be honest, Renata, seeing her and her posts in the very early days of Strong First, I will be honest with you, it's one of the things that attracted me to the community um, because you're so positive and, uh, and I just, you know, when you're kind of out here in the middle of nowhere in Oregon and you're looking for an online community to be a part of, uh, I'm going to say that you are a reason why I decided to go down that strong first path in the very, very early days. Oh, um, yeah, that is the truth. Um, you are a fourth degree black belt in Japanese karate and a third degree black belt in Shurit Kempo. Am I saying that right? Yes, and actually, since I, I guess I need to update that. I, um, oh. I am a six degree black belt now. Okay. Um, since I wrote that, I've since been promoted. And Get on there and update it. That's a big deal. I will. <laughs> awesome. Well, you're also a team leader with Strong First, as well yes. as an elite instructor. So that means you've got all the certifications and all the modalities. You teach your private lessons at Mansfield YMCA, as well as some group classes. Yes. And you're married to Gary Music, who's also a team leader. And what is Gary? I know Gary's um, martial arts um, I mean, many, many levels of black belt in many modalities. So you'll have to fill us in on that. Okay. Um, like I said, you were my team leader back in 2016 at the body weight cert at the dome. So we are so happy to have you here. I am. And I'm Amanda couldn't make it today. So Amanda and I are both happy you're here. She couldn't make it, but you are here. So we get to talk to you. Yes. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I was honored to get the invite. Yes, well, we're thrilled. And I'll tell you, this is, I think, going to wrap up our season one. <laughs> um, who knows? We may start season two next week, but um, it was, we started doing this when everybody was in lockdown, and now that things are kind of open, and it's summer, we're, we're just going to take, we're going to taper off for a little bit. So you are the, the finale of season one. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what you're up to? What do you, what are you doing back in, as far as your training and um, what you're doing with your classes and how you've kind of had to make a shift in our current world? Well, when the Y closed in March, um, Gary came up with this absolutely brilliant idea. I didn't think so at the time. I was actually kind of freaked out about it, but we sold our kettlebells at a phenomenally low price. Um, most of our kettlebells from 28 kilo, no, 20, 20 kilo and down, 22 kilo and down. We sold them to our students, which opened up the world of Zoom class training for me. And that's what I've been doing. Um, between my uh, level one strong first instructor, Heidi Jones, she also teaches out of the Y. She's actually at the dome this weekend going for her level two. And so far she texts me and she's passed her snacks test. 
and her strength yeah. test. So she's, she's on her way. But uh, I teach two classes a week, and she teaches two classes a week, kettlebell. I'm also doing uh, private trains, uh, kettlebell private trains, and I'm teaching karate Zoom lessons. And when our governor opened up our state, I started having people come over to the house. So I do one-on-one -on -one karate and kettlebell. I just started loading my barbell up because I don't have a rack. It's something I want to purchase yet. And doing some barbell training at home also. Very good. Nice. And How my, many can you have in um, in a like at, in a group at one time? Are you are you limited in your house? Um, as far as one on one, I just do one on one. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, like um, I have a couple. I have a karate student. She's like nine, I think nine or ten, and she likes to come down here. We'll superset. I have over here. I have some uh, rings gymnastic rings and she does she loves horizontal pulls i i mean she's just like can i just do those i'm like sure, <laughs> sure. i'm just here to watch you <laughs> so she'll do some kata and some pulls and then she'll hit the heavy bag so we superset everything at like nice. nine or ten years old she just loves it um so just i do some one-on-one -on -one training in the basement right now i have three or four boys getting ready for their junior black belts. And we'll have a camp in August, a karate camp, which I've already figured out the logistics of social distancing. So those, those boys have been coming and doing one-on-one -on -one training with me for their uh, junior black belt. Very good. It's pretty cool, you know, it seems like when you look back to March, or I think March is when this all started, it was either the people in the, in the in the world of training either immediately just made a shift made a change and move forward or they're kind of just swimming and i don't know what i'm going to do and and it's just it's been really cool and i don't train full-time um i i did some classes i did some coaching at the school you know a couple years ago and i had kind of backed off so for me it was like okay well i'm just going to be completely backed off until i can really start again and i've done some one-on-one -on -one now since but it was just like really kind of weird to watch. It was either we're going to make this work or I'm going to swim in anxiety. And it's like, I think people now realize that you can make it work. You, you know? can make it work. I think I'm the only trainer from the Y that does online Zoom. And I did it prior to COVID. Not a lot, not as much as I do right now. Um, it's enabled me to be able to do projects at home that weren't going to get done because I was working 40 hours a week and driving back and forth to work and back and forth to work is like 40 to 45 minutes, depending on traffic and, um, which I live in the country. So then we're not talking a lot of traffic, maybe a few yeah. traffic here and there, but that's about it. So I've been, I started a project in maybe middle of May, beginning of June, trimming our trees. And we have over 300 trees on our property. Oh, wow. So I started with a handsaw and trimmed most of the deciduous trees with a handsaw. And I- Like trimming the limbs up? Are you trimming yeah. the- Oh, cool. Just trimmed them up. So we have a zero. So we have eight acres of land. 
with a 1.33 acre pond on the wow. eight acres. And um, we mow all of it. So the branches, the tree branches will get too low to get the lawnmower around it. So I, I trimmed all the branches so now you can just zoom around the trees. But also the front of our property is lined with pine trees. And I, we have a small chainsaw and I taught myself how to use a chainsaw and I cut pine trees with a chainsaw. Probably, I'd say maybe close to 180 plus trees. Holy smokes, Renata. Chainsaw. So now you are a arborist as I, well as a... Yes, I'm a <laughs> <official> arborist. <laughs> <laughs> That's no joke. We have two acres and I, I'm not ever going to complain again. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. I enjoy it. I'm, it's been 95 degrees and I've been out there. I wear some real heavy karate gi pants and goggles and a hat and sunscreen myself up and go and I'm covered in sap and tree stuff and I don't care. Just yeah. good work. It is. I uh, got on <clears throat> the end of a we have a big brush trimmer. It's like a weed eater but it's got these it's got two handles you can put a big blade on it or a string like, and I did a, like a two hour weed trimming project a couple Sundays ago. And I, I have been sticking with my training. I, I feel really strong. I mean, I feel like I'm in shape. I was so sore for probably five days, like couldn't sleep, just weird. And it's like, well, real work definitely is different than just working out. <laughs> yeah. Um, one day I put five hours into trimming trees by myself. So that's trimming, picking up the, the, the branches as I go, because you can't have them laying under your feet. It's dangerous. Loading the truck, driving the truck, emptying the truck. Sometimes if the branches were too long, I had to drag them probably a good 50 plus yards by myself and then driving back five hours i was sore the next day but that's been about it it and i have been training but not training hard in the beginning i was chasing a bent press i was chasing a 36 kilo bent press nice. and then i was chasing i've done a two-hand anyhow where i got 114 pounds up overhead Wow. So I bent press a 32 and I did a kick pickup with a 20 kilo and pressed that up, lines the 32 up. And I kind of had to lay off of that because I had low back and hip issues. Mm -hmm. And with everything shut down, I wasn't able to get adjusted. So it really messed with my back. And I wasn't able to go to the chiropractor until June. And now I'm going consistently like every other week. So my back's getting better. And I'm yeah. thinking about starting to work. And then I found out that I created a bad pattern of movement compensating for the back pain in my bed price. Oh. So now I have to progress and repattern my movement. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always something, right? <laughs> There's always something. That's why it never really gets boring. It's just like, well, if I mess that up, I'll just start working on it again. <laughs> right. It's, it's this, it's a great, it's a beautiful journey of hills and valleys. 
You know, yeah. sometimes you'll have enough a nice smooth road, then you'll hit a bump, and then you got to get over that bump. And yeah, but it's like that's life. It is, and I think it's a good you know doing strength training or physical culture or whatever you call it. And really, it doesn't matter what you're into. I mean, if you're into triathlons, if you're into the running, everybody hits the bumps. I mean, I, I have a great friend and she's a runner. Just, you know, and um, always qualifying for Boston. She does these fabulous runs, like go to Colorado and do some of these amazing things. And, but she, you know, she'll have an injury and then it's like, how do I work around this? And, and I think that's part of the fun almost is, it's almost like, okay, so I got my first marathon or I got my first this or that. It's okay, how am I gonna work around this little challenge that's mm -hmm. now? And not mm -hmm. taking it so seriously. I mean, mm -hmm. don't you think sometimes people get so wrapped up in the in the seriousness of it, they forget that, hey, you should just be enjoying it, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, not long ago, my son and I were wrestling and I paid the price for horse playing and he put me in an arm bar and hyperextended my elbow. And it's still healing. So, I, I, you know, trying to work around that and know that it's going to heal eventually. It's not tore. There's nothing wrong. It's just hyperextended. But still trying to maintain my strength and cut trees and be almost 50, I have to have some give and take somewhere. Um, so to this week, it started feeling better. So I started loading it, doing presses with a 20 kilo, and I threw in a couple vent presses, and feels pretty good, actually. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I love that you love the bent press. It's my, um, I prefer it to Turkish get-ups now, just because I have a very cranky big toe on my right, my right big toe, and I, I have found that when I push those get-ups, it just, it's, it gets worse. So you have to finally admit to yourself, well, this is not making it better. It's making it worse. Yeah. So the, the bed press is a really nice thing to um, do after swings. Um, if you can't get those get ups in, I think I love the movement too. It's just, fun. I think it's, it's really cool how you come up with the correlation between the bed press and the get up because I too have, well, now I have two bed toes. I had surgery on my toe in 2018 because I had bone spurs, arthritic bone spurs. Now I think they're on my left toe, so both toes don't like it. Um, and I do my get-ups, like I might load them with a 16, no heavier than a 20 right now. But you're, you're absolutely correct. It's the same idea of moving under that weight mm -hmm. that you do in a get-up press and you do in a get-up. And if, if yeah. they feel the same. Yeah. You get that nice T-spine opening and yeah, it's, it's just a cool, cool movement for sure. Um, so what else are you like as far as um, just your personal, I know, I mean, trimming trees for sure, you've got that, but are you um, any other kind of long-term goals or short-term goals that you have? You know, I just... I just daily try to make myself a better version of myself than I was yesterday and a better version of myself tomorrow than I was today. No matter what that version is, if it's in being a mom or being a grandma or a wife, uh, cooking. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of roles right there. <laughs> it's all the hats, tree trimmer, 
kettlebell instructor, karate instructor. Yeah, and you have a bunch of pets too, right? <laughs> yes, we have three dogs, three cats. My daughter has a chinchilla, a guinea pig, a turtle. I just supply food for them. Um, <laughs> we've got three ducks. Oh my so, gosh. And catfish yeah. in the pond. <laughs> yeah. Lots of fish always oh, caught some big catfish out of that thing race. Well, we have and other people have, but yeah, you know, just, I just keep, eventually I'd like to get back to my bed press. I got to make sure that my hips are going to be good, good. And I'm going to be good to my hips, uh, pushing almost 50. I'm realizing what's most important. Yes. The strength is important, but functional daily strength is more important than chasing that PR all the time to me. And I'd like to hit a 315 deadlift, which would be two times body weight. But then again, I've got to cater to my body and to my hips. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, I'm 51. And what's that? really, I said, I'm 51. And that I think you're right. You get to an age and it's, you, you should never stop having goals, but you're right. That day-to-day -day being functional is a far, uh, it's far more important than a crazy, a, a crazy goal. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I, so basically I don't beat myself up anymore. If, if I'm going for something and it's like, this just isn't in the cards for now. Who cares? Move on. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, I think that's super important to recognize that, um, you know, we, we have bodies that are, that are changing, you know, and it, menopause is no joke. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's real. And I've been really lucky. I've had so far a pretty easy time of it, but it is real. Things just you just, even weird stuff, like I don't see as well anymore. And maybe that's just age, but there's just a lot of stuff that's like, wow, you know, you get in your late forties, early fifties. It's just like, there's just stuff that happens and you have to just like, I mean, I think my eyes are the thing that's bugging me the most. And I'm really making like some things happen so that I can get back to reading a book at night because it's just, I can't see anymore. So, yeah. you know, yeah, and really, that kind of stuff brings joy too. I mean, being physical is very um, is a very joyful thing. But like, there's a lot of other stuff out there too that, you know, like I've discovered. For, I think the pandemic has let people discover stuff, don't you? Absolutely. Like, I'm interested in photography and um, I don't know uh, baking. I mean, I'm doing all kinds of stuff I never did before. So I put three bird feeders. Here, now I'm reaching into that old person inside me, but I put three bird feeders up in the backyard and Gary, and we have these very unique birds that live in our pines by the pond, they're called bitterns. And there's only three, there's a male and two females, we believe. They're very elusive, almost like a deer where like you can look and they'll be there, then you look again and they're gone. But, um, They've made themselves more known. Our three bird feeders are so much fun to sit in the backyard and just watch the blue jays and the cardinals and the doves and the finches and all these birds just, I mean, for heaven's sakes, I spent like 30 bucks the other day on 50 pound bags of bird food so I could feed the birds. 
but I never did that before. And I think one thing the pandemic has done is it's forced us to slow down and look around us. If you've got eight acres of land or if you're looking out a small apartment window in New York City, at the different things that we weren't seeing before that now we do because we've slowed down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great observation. I, um, <clears throat> I've noticed, and I, and I tell myself this, I walk my dogs like three times a day. I've got this little trail that kind of cuts through our neighborhood and I love it. It's just a little grass trail and you can cut down to the woods if you want to. It's about a half mile down and back. So it's their, their, their walks. And I've been making myself, I keep reminding myself, look up, look up. So I stop and I look up and it's like, how often do you walk in the woods and you never look up in the trees? And then like, you're never going to see an owl if you don't look up or you're never going to see a, um, maybe a, a cougar, you know, in the tree. <laughs> I hope not, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you got to look up sometimes or look down. I mean, look at things that, you know, don't just, you know, get all in your head. You got to just clear the mind and look up in the air and look at the, the canopy and it's beautiful. I didn't even realize how beautiful it was and I've been here 10 years. Yeah. And uh, looking up is a good way to protect yourself too. Is it? Is that a martial arts uh, yes. Uh, advice? <laughs> yes. That's well tell us why. Give us some give us some tips here. <laughs> well I Yuri and I teach a lot of we call it life protection. And that's a whole that's that's kind of deep. Our method of self-protection is very, well, I say ancient, it's very old. It comes, the, the principles come from the island of Okinawa, where there, at the time, in the late 1800s, there weren't many people. So, they practiced taking their attacker in whole, if practical. Now, what that means is, I can't take a life and I can't permanently damage another person because therefore I'm responsible for that. You know, if we bomb a country, we're responsible to repair that country. So we take that on, on a smaller level also. Um, but one of the, when I teach a life protection seminar, Gary and I do it together, there's a part of it that's mine, it's probably 45 minutes to an hour where I talk about being very aware of your surroundings. Um, in the grocery store, out walking, how to walk with one earbud and not two so you can hear, and to put the earbud in out that's closer to traffic if you're walking down the sidewalk. But one of, I believe one of the most important things is your posture and how you present yourself. Because if you're walking as most of the country does now with their shoulders all pulled in and looking at your cell phone, you have no idea what's going on around you. So by opening up your posture, putting that cell phone away, because it's not important at all, you look like that fierce force that doesn't want to be messed with. That's actually on my Facebook page. Always look like a fierce force that nobody wants to mess with, but always be humble and kind. So, posturing and pulling those shoulders back and looking at people and greeting them. You know, we're adults. Um, when we were kids, we're taught not to talk to strangers, but let those childish ways be aside and look at people, look in their eyes and say hello to them. Study those people and play games with yourself and, 
be able to identify that person later on during the day in your own mind. That's part of self-protection. This posture, pull those shoulders back and be tall and strong. That's very cool. Yeah. And you're right. We do walk around with our heads down, looking at the phones and yeah, for sure. I see it all day long. I see my kids do it. <laughs> they just can't help it. It's just, it's weird. It's just these things. I mean, I don't want to get rid of it because we need it now, but really it, we all should like find a time at least once in the day where we just don't, we leave it at home, but then I think, well, then how am I going to track my steps if I don't have my phone with me? <laughs> <laughs> my watch does that for me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, it's weird. I just think we want to keep track of everything nowadays. And I think there's valuable data, but at the same time, it's like, who cares? My grandma used to take walks every day. She didn't care how many steps she took. You know? exactly. Grandma was healthy. She was. And you know what grandma did? That was, and I mean, this is bad, but grandma had a couple drinks every night and she smoked a few cigarettes now and then, and, you know? <laughs> so no, I don't, I don't advocate that necessarily. But Right. Well, a couple drinks. I, I, you know, there's, I'll do at least a glass of red, red blend wine every night. Yeah. Uh, I just got turned on to those white claws. Uh -huh. Those are dangerously <laughs> delicious. So, like, I had a couple of those last night, but then I know when to stop because I want to wake up and feel good and refreshed the next day. And there's nothing that disturbs your night's sleep besides menopause than too much alcohol. Oh, yeah. Alcohol. People think I'll have a drink or two to um, fall asleep, and it is the worst thing you can do. The worst. Yeah. So, yeah. I de yeah. And the older you get, I mean, I think I was probably 40. I mean, so 10, 11 years ago, and it was like, girl, you just, you just cannot have alcohol like you could when you were 20, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's just one of those things I think you slowly have to taper off and just, you know, but so you guys, it looks like, um, well, maybe it's a Gary who's the chef. It looks like you guys make some pretty amazing meals. And that's something else I love about the pandemic is all the extra cooking that we are doing. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, does most of the cooking because a few nights a week, Wednesday, Thursday, kind of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I do work late, if you want to call it that. I'm down yeah. here until like six o'clock or whatever. So he gets things underway. Um, yeah, we eat way too good. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost wrong how well we eat. I actually just got blood work done. Oh. And my numbers decreased, which I was thrilled about because at one point my cholesterol was up over my total cholesterol was over 200 and that just freaked me out. And I'm like, we're making changes. But I was eating a lot of bacon. We were eating beef way too much. So I put the kibosh on that. I have only had maybe six pieces of bacon and that's because it was wrapped around a goat-filled jalapeno hopper at our local restaurant mm -hmm. since March. And I went to, from like over 200 to cholesterol of 180. Uh, my good cholesterol is up. I eat a tremendous amount of nuts, avocados, practically daily. 
sunflower seeds, two Brazil nuts a day because that's your daily intake for selenium that you need. So I get that. Uh, my lunches are obnoxiously consistent because that's what I, I quit a long time ago just eating and eating to fuel my body. And I teach cancer survivors um, at the YMCA through Live Strong. And it's, it's such a great thing for me to do. I love it, absolutely love it. But you know, I don't have a nutritionist or a dietitian degree or anything like that. But I have years of experience of healing my gut and now learning how to feed my body to fuel it. And those are the things that I get to pass on to them amongst other things. Like it's really cool to watch them do a get up for the first time. Oh yeah. And to stand and like week. So it's a 12 week program and maybe week three, I get to start introducing just body weight strength. We don't, I don't load them at all. It's just body weight strength. And I introduce the get up. And by week 10 or 11, I watched them stand. And in the beginning, they couldn't. They're like, oh, look what I did. You know, I stood up and the tears are rolling down my face because I'm so overwhelmed by that. They're like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? I'm like, I'm so happy for you. You just accomplished something. You really don't comprehend how huge that is for you to be able to do that. Yeah or they get to where they can hold themselves in a plank on the floor and they couldn't do it on a bar in the beginning, you know, in an elevated position, or they're able to walk up a flight of steps when they couldn't do that. Yeah. All because now they're moving and they're moving for functional strength and health. Yeah. And they're probably just having a blast while they're doing it too. Cause that oh, stuff's fun. It's like playing. It yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, yeah, so tell us about this live strong program. It's a 12 week and, and are they just cancer? Are they cancer survivors from your community that they sign up? And I mean, it, yeah, the, the YMCA advertises it and they can come from anywhere in our community. I'd say, I think we had a lady who commuted back and forth from like Columbus, like her mom might have lived here, so on some nights she came to live strong because she was up here visiting her mom or something. And Columbus is about 50 miles away, okay. give or take a little bit, 50, 60 miles away. Um, so it's 12 week, it's a 12 week program that is designed for cancer survivors at any stage of survivorship. So you could have just finished your last round of chemotherapy and or radiation or both, and you started, or say that you have, you survived cancer 20 years prior. Like we had a lady who was a 12 year brain cancer survivor who took the program. And in that 12 weeks, they basically, basically get, the first six weeks is an introduction to the YMCA. Uh, they use machines. I try to keep them on body weight stuff. I introduce them to mobility, to functional movement. So basically, we do a lot of windmills. We do a lot of just naked windmills, unweighted windmills. 
we do a lot of the warm-up that we would do at a certification mm -hmm. in Live Strong because that's good for everybody to do. Oh yeah. Then I slowly introduce, I put my gymnastic rings up in what I call my room at the Y. It's it's a basically a, a big large classroom that I've got all my bells in and it's where I teach out of. So any pictures you see me at the Y, you see the big strong first banner. That's uh -huh. my room or some people say, hey, it's back in Renata's room. But um, <laughs> I've been there 11 years, so. Oh, you know, wow. I, and, and I have, and, and, um, we go back there and we do, we do these different body weight stuff and we talk about nutrition, we talk about emotions, we talk about depression. Uh, they get a time to share with each other their journey. And even though these people have experienced different cancers, their journeys are all the same when it comes to health and uh, mental anguish that cancer can put you through. Not necessarily everybody, but the mental and the emotional struggles that you have with cancer. And then the last six weeks, they get introduced to classes. So all of us do Zumba, which is hilarious because I don't do Zumba, <laughs> but it's fun to just kind of dance around. We do yoga. We might play beach volleyball, put up a net and play beach volleyball. It's just fun. Yeah, that sounds cool. For everybody at the end. Yeah. So is this something that your why put together or is it like a national program through Livestrong? It is a national program and it, you have to go to schooling for it. So all of us have had training. There's three instructors. One of the instructors is, is also my very good friend. And he's a two-time thyroid cancer survivor. Okay. He competed at the TSC and went from, in three years, went from zero deadlift to a 405 deadlift at the age of 58 or 59 years old. Wow, that's and amazing. And a thyroid cancer survivor who also lost 50 pounds. Holy smokes. So, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. So the, the three of us have been through training. And uh, RYMCA uses our annual campaign to help fund our Live Strong program. Okay. I'm going to check into that. Um, I have a very, we have a very large senior citizen community here and a, a really, I mean, for a fairly small community, a pretty well-known and highly respected oncology center. Oh yeah. Um, so, I mean, that might be something that <clears throat> I can get a few trainers in town to pool our resources together and look into that. So definitely it's, going to change. Oregon still, we're very um, strict still, even though we're moving along. Our, we have a you know, mandatory mask mandate. You can't gather more than 10 people at a time, privately even. And I keep having to remind my kids of that. I'm like, you guys got to, <laughs> gatherings are not supposed to be big. Um, so, and then um, they're closing down. It's weird. We have some very rural counties in Eastern Oregon, which is like full on cowboy country that have huge outbreaks. But I think it's because the attitude was, 
we don't need to worry about. They have some big um, food processing facilities where I think oh, yeah. they have gotten started and they just have not been able to get, get it under control. So they've gone back to like almost full lockdown in those counties. And our governor keeps threatening <laughs> the same for all of us. So everybody's trying to be really good and wear our masks and, you know, so I don't know. Do you guys have to wear masks? Is it mandatory? Yeah, Ohio's mandated to wear masks and we just, for two weeks, see our governor, and I don't know if other governors have done this, but he established color coding. Oh, and God. that's how we know what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. Oh, that's and it's like hard. white, yellow, red, purple. Okay. And, well, there might be another color in there. But we were in the red zone. So we we were at mandatory masks before the state went to mandatory masks. I gotcha. And now our governor just closed bars at 10 p.m. Instead of yeah. 2, it's now 10 p.m. Yeah, that's what we are too. So, but you know, I, I worked really hard on my karate camp and scaled it back a lot to be able to hold it for the kids. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a lot of work, but I want to do this for my students. Oh, yeah. They they earn it. Yeah, they do. And there's always a way. There's always a way to figure out how to do stuff. Yes. There's always and a stay way. Stay within code. You just have to think outside of your box. Yep. Yep. The mask. I haven't had to train with the mask just because I train at home, but I have been practicing. And I'm going to do Pavel and Fabio's online class next weekend. Um, the, the breathing, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Breathe strong or breathe wind, light. I think. Second wind, second wind, yeah. and then built strong, which is Fabio's kind of hypertrophy. Um, and I'm so interested. I've been studying the breathing techniques just on my own now for a few months. And it's amazing, even just nasal breathing, the difference in a mask if you breathe through your nose versus your mouth. Yes. I, I, and I try to tell people that I'm like, just start breathing through your nose. It won't be as uncomfortable. So, and people don't, you know, I'll, I'll tell people that you can retrain your body to be breathe through your nose only and into your belly. Mm -hmm. And people look at me like I'm nuts. And I'm like, I did it. Yeah. That's how I can sit here and tell you this. I retrained my body. And you feel so much better when you learn how to take those deep cleansing breaths into your belly. Yeah. And karate. And I've, what's, oh, sorry, go ahead. Karate training does that. Okay. I wondered we, about that. Yeah. When you train in karate, everything, we call this area the horror, and everything is here. Yeah. All That's your abdomen. Training. For those listening on the, for those that are listening, not watching, she's, she's referring to her whole abdomen, not her chest. Yes. It's the, the, the abdomen area uh, connects the body. It's not designed to be isolated when you train. It's a connector. It connects left to right, right to left, and top to bottom. Um, and that's what you should breathe from is that area. So karate training for me, when I really dug into it, Really, I was like, well, wait a minute. This is nothing different than what I do in class. So why not incorporate it into the rest of my life? Yeah. 
it's very calming too. Um, like if you're uh, doing something physical, uh, trimming trees, like on a, maybe a hard hike, breathing through the nose is like this weird auto-regulation that you force yourself to stay at a pace that you can handle. Whereas if you're, you know, just that, and you think you're getting more oxygen when you breathe through your mouth, but it really doesn't work that way. No, because it's so shallow. Yeah. One of my karate students who got a black belt for me two years ago, I believe, uh, autistic. And he was, I guess you'd say, low function autistic. So he could, you know, integrate really well into with the class. But he started doing this thing that I found was so neat when he was doing a kata, which a kata is a series of movements, a series of dictated movements that forms a pattern and stances and posture. And you, re you repeat these series all the time, but there's self-protection in these, in these movements. He would stop and he would just go, and then he'd move on. And I asked him one day, I said, why do you do that? And he said, it's how I stop and pause and gather myself before I move on. Hmm. I was like, that is, he taught that to me. Wow. It was. Is it, did he figure it out on his own? He did. Wow. That's awesome. And I thought that is so cool. You know, I, I have this, what I have a master instructor title in karate which is, I've been a black belt for 26 years, so I've been doing it a long time. And I don't learn from anybody but my students now because I watch my students move and I listen to them and they teach me. You know, I know all the katas that I need to know in class and Gary is actually my, he's the grandmaster of our association. So I go to him for questions not as much as I used to, but I still go to him for questions. But I watch my students and that's how I learn. It's how I learn how to teach. It's how I learn how to teach myself and my students, hmm. just by watching and listening to them. Which is awesome. I, and you know, I'm learning from like seven, eight, year old all the way up to a kid who just turned 18. Huh. I find cool. so much joy in that. That is really, really um, wonderful that you're working with kids. And I'll say that in the, you know, I've always been a part-time trainer, but I got the, the most, uh, it was most rewarding working with the youth. I, mm -hmm put strength training programs on up at the high school. And um, I, I just loved it. I just love working with kids. So, you know, and sometimes they, they push back when you're trying to teach them something. It's like, whatever, I don't care. Just, that I, you know, I'm showing you something. And, but when they see things and things start to click and especially the, um, the young ladies getting them involved in strength training, my, the best group um, was some dancers that showed up to a summer strength training program. And then we had football players, volleyball players, and dancers. And those dancers realized 
how much they needed the strength. And they by far worked the hardest and by far made the most gains because it was just like, wow, we need this stuff, you know? And it just, it, it actually is kind of motivating me to want to get back into it after schools or who knows how long it's going to be. But once schools get open and, you know, we, we can start getting big groups of kids in the same room again, I can't wait to get back to the weight room with them. Yeah, I miss it. Usually in the summertime, well, before COVID hit, I was teaching in uh, one of our local schools through the YMCA. I did three half hour classes, two days a week. And I would let the kids, I always start with karate because I want, and it's, it's all body weight. I can't, like they have balls and jump ropes and things like that, but I can't like take tools with me, weight tools to give to these kids because I could have 30 kids in a class. Oh yeah. But I start them out in karate and I line them up like I would a karate class. And I start talking about them and making better versions of themselves starting now, listening to them, their teachers, having the discipline to behave in class. And I put the kids in the kibidachi stance, which is a horse riding stance, and it's a disciplined stance itself. And uh, we throw punches. I teach them a kata that's pretty simple to learn. Um, art, I look at, at kata like uh, simple and sinister. It's simple to learn because it's a pattern of movement. It's sinister because it's very difficult to understand it. Huh. So anyway, these kids learn a kata and then they earn the right to do what they want to do. Huh. And by the time like the, I started teaching them mm, in the fall, and by like May, we were outside and we were running sprints and relays and what we used to call suicides where I was a kid. And then we did soccer and we started playing basketball. And, mm. But they, they, we earned mutual respect. And I did there that using martial arts. And it was so much fun. I miss the kids. Yeah. Kids are great. They are. They're wonderful. They are they are what we make them out to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as a mom, you know that those teen years, there's some challenges, but, um, and that's, but that's part of the great thing too, about being a parent is getting through those challenges. And I don't know, I've had to learn with my two, mine are 20 and 21 and it's learning when to pull back. And as my husband puts it, they're on their own adventure. Um, we, you can mold and shape, but at some point you have to step back. You have to let them be who they're going to be. There will be consequences. <laughs> and what they really need from you is just love and, yes. um, and understanding. And then, I, I don't know. And then you're a grandma too, which I look forward to that. Not anytime soon, but I hope someday oh. I get to be a grandma. <laughs> My grandchildren. Well, Earlier in my life, um, Gary's my second marriage, and earlier in my life when I was married to my first husband, my kid's dad, I did at-home daycare for seven and a half years. And I didn't realize how rewarding it was until I got out of it. But now uh, some of the habits that I did with the daycare have come back, 
And I do the same things with my grandkids. But these grandkids, I don't, I'm not the typical grandma that just lets them get away with whatever they want to at grandma's house. <laughs> because that's not fair. Right. That's not fair to them. It gets confusing. But I discipline them and love them as if they were my own. Yeah. And they are just so, Adrian is three and Penelope just turned two. And their personalities are so much fun. I've got, I bought a John Deere Gator at a yard sale for Adrian. And my son had one when he was little. And it's so much fun to watch that kid get in that thing and drive it all over the backyard. And he and his sister will pull these little seeds off the pine trees and drop them in the back of the gator and then <laughs> pretend to go all around the yard and plant these little pine trees. <laughs> They're just so much fun. And to listen to him talk, we took pictures the other day, my, do my daughter and I took it, pulled out a, a Polaroid camera and Adrian goes, but mama, I don't have my taking pictures clothes on. <laughs> they're so, so they're cute. wonderful they really are I yeah. like it when they spend the night and they get to make peanut butter and jelly oatmeal for Adrian in the morning because that's something that I started making for him when I didn't have flavor packets of oatmeal I just went right. peanut butter jelly and a little bit of honey and there were good there were good yeah. he asked okay well. that is so much better because my dad when my boys were little he would give, he would be, oh, I gave you boys Doritos and Coke for breakfast. Oh. <laughs> Just like, uh, okay, thanks, Dad. But uh, it was like, whatever. They, they were over there every day, so I let them get away with it. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be fun. I have a feeling I got a long time to wait, but it'll, it'll be really fun. So looking They're forward to great. that for sure. Looking forward to that. So you and Gary, you guys look like you've got a great, uh, well, and there was a something I was going to mention in the, in the intro and I didn't, but you're another power couple that we have in our strong first community. There's a few married, married couples, you and Gary, we have Tony and Mira. Um, yeah. There's a few more. I mean, Matt and I, Matt is body weight certified. He was a level one kettlebell. He let that, he let that lapse, but he's still, I could totally, I mean, I actually had Matt coach me a lot in my kettlebell skills because he's so good. Um, but there's, I think it's cool when, when couples can, they don't have to have to train together, but at least be on the same page and support each other. And, um, I see a lot of times couples will, you got one person that's really in, into training and being healthy, but the other one's not quite there. And it just creates a lot of tension and animosity and, you know, it's like, yes, yeah. I was down that road in my first marriage and I, I, I'm just so glad that that's behind me. Gary was my first coach. Um, before I did my level one in 2011, uh, see, I got my RKC in 2011 at one of the biggest RKC certs. It was like the 25th or anniversary or whatever of, of RKC or 25th. I don't remember what the whole deal was, but it was like a big event. And, uh, he had handed me a 32 kilo kettlebell or he goes, pick that kettlebell up and squat it. I'm like, it was more than half my body weight. I couldn't pick it up. So he picked it up and somewhere there's a picture of him handing me this 32 kilo kettlebell. And he Gary goes, no, or Pavel. 
What's that? Was it Gary? Yeah. Okay, Gary. Okay. Yeah, Gary did this to me. So he handed this kettlebell to me and he goes, squat it. And I squatted it. He goes, now squat it again. <laughs> okay. Squat it 10 more times. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's just what I did. I had a tremendous amount of untouched brute strength. I mean, at 120 pound body weight, I could overhead squat 220 kilo belts. Wow. I had to push press them up there, but I could do it. Um, yeah. I just, I was swinging the beast. I could squat the beast at 120, 125 pound body weight. It was just crazy the, 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 the things that I could do. Um, so I, I actually went through my journey of all the certs quickly. I did level one in fall of 2011. That was RKC. Level two RKC spring of 2012. And then RKC strong first, they, they split and strong first was founded 2012. 2013, I did body weight cert in the spring. Fall of 2013, I did barbell cert in Virginia Beach. That was so much fun. But I just did this path super fast because I had a tremendous amount of brute strength. And now I don't, I don't chase that as much because I, I'm aging and I'm not making that as an excuse. But now to me, it's more important to give. Now to me, it's more important to like my student Heidi, my level one, my very dear friend, uh, she's in Chicago doing her level two. Mm -hmm. I just got a lady through her level two research. I got another guy who's going to Philly in October for level one. Mm -hmm. And to take that 70 year old woman and to get her to do that body weight get up who has survived cancer is more important to me than to taste strength. Mm -hmm. So I, I know what you mean. Changed from look what I can do to look what they can do. Yeah. And and I find so much joy in that now. I was teaching bed press progressions this morning online to my Zoom class. And that that is it's just fun. I mean, there's no other word to describe it but fun. It is so very rewarding. I love going to certs. I, it's, I've, re, I've been, uh, I've assisted at a few. I, I love that, but I just love, I actually like researching too, uh, as a student, even though I've done it, especially the body weight, I can't even count how many times I've been to a body weight cert and I, but I love it because it's just fun. And it's always fun too, when you've been through something and a lot of people get nervous and they should, because the unknown is always nervous. Right. They really just like being at certs and encouraging people. Yeah. And especially, like, especially leading up to the body weight cert, people get so nervous. They're so freaked out. Like, oh, that worked. Push it up. We're just like, who cares? Just go, go. And you probably won't get it. <laughs> I'll be honest, but you'll, you, you'll get the skills to get it. Who cares? Just do it. Right. And then like, don't be stressed because it's almost like going to a playground and playing. Um, 
obviously you need to be serious. You need to pay attention and you need to do it. your, you know, like practice things the way you're asked to practice them, but, but have just fun. And I think when, as when you go and you're able to like make, maybe help somebody be a little less nervous. You know, I just, I, I really enjoy that. Just yeah. Kind of being an ambassador. Cause like I said, I'm not a full-time trainer for me to try to, 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 to assist a lot. It just doesn't make sense, but I love to go and just be kind of an ambassador to the whole community and just promote it. Cause I, I really do think even though I will go down different paths sometimes, I still will always go back to strong first as kind of where I get my knowledge and base most of my training. Yes. So I, I have a confession to make. I have, well, you, I want you to finish, but I have, I'm going to make a confession on here to you. Oh, <laughs> After no. you're done talking. <laughs> so, well, okay. I'll just say it now. So I, I have done nothing but strong first base training for about six years. Yeah. That's a super long time. I, well, I'm an amazing 12 coach as well. I went through that. I've done that a couple times, but it's really not that different than strong first as far as the, um, the technique. It's just the programming's a little bit different. So I really have not ventured into much else. I signed up for street parking, which is basically like CrossFit. And I'm going to do it like for the next 30 days, but it's awesome. They, it's like 15 bucks a month and there are more progressions and modifications and videos and tutorials that I, I can't believe how much content these people have put together. They're a married couple that I believe was pretty involved in CrossFit years ago, but they've made it so accessible and the programming is actually very smart. And I am so awkward at that kind of thing. Like I have a really hard time putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> like, so for me, it's, you need to do something that you're not very good at for, for a few weeks. Oh, that's <laughs> so. important. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think I've done, I think I've assisted at 12 barbell certifications. Oh, man. And 11 body weight. Doc actually lets me teach with his assistant some parts of barbell because I've been to so many. And it's so much fun. Oh, it's so I, much fun. I love it. I've learned under Jason Marshall and Doc. Yep. My first year of teaching kettlebell courses, I think that was 2014, before I was a team leader, I think Gary and I traveled to 25 different states that year. Wow. Because it was designed to teach at home. Yeah, but this isn't an area that would support a $299 course. Yeah. Like I think I've done two with the Y and have had like a total of eight people. It's just not, this area isn't strong enough to support that. But, oh my gosh, the places that I have been teaching uh, the courses, and I can teach all three courses. Um, I did last May, or last October, I taught in Maine, I did the body weight course and kettlebell course back-to-back -back days. I did the barbell course in Florida. It was funny, I taught the barbell course in Florida, and I had like 15 or 20 attendees. Two guys from Cleveland flew to Florida 
Because we saw it was a strong first barbell course that was being taught in Florida. <laughs> I taught it at, in Port Orange at a gym down there. And I'm like, guys, I'm like an hour and a half away from you. <laughs> and I was sad because I never heard from them again. I reached out to them, but they, they, they did something with the Cleveland Indians. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be awesome to get in and yeah. strength train athletes in the off season? Yeah. But uh, it didn't happen. But the adventures that I've gone on in with Strong First, you know, I, I entered this when I was 40. And here I am almost 50. And all the many, 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 many places that I've been because of Strong First that I would not have been. Yeah. Had I not cool. gone down this path. And Strong First is the only strength training I know of. Mm -hmm. I've never done anything outside of it. Yeah. Now I have a yeah. second degree black belt in Taekwondo, but it's, I don't even recognize that anymore because I don't do anything with it. But karate, and ironically, when it comes to karate, my first instructor was one of Gary's students. And I met Gary in like 1992 or 1993 at a party that my instructor took me to at Gary's house. Hmm. So I had, here's a public confession. Most people know about this if they know me. I had a private crush on Gary from <laughs> that moment. And I re-met him again in 2010. That's a long time. It is. He came to the Y. My boss had asked him to bring kettlebells to the Y, but more importantly, assist with the martial arts program that was going on. And the martial arts instructor at the time, he said it was Taekwondo. He goes, I want you to meet somebody. And I walked in and there stood Gary. And I remember that heart-rushing butterfly <laughs> feeling when I saw him again because I had met him all those years ago and I never forgot what he looked like and here I am married to the guy <laughs> and it's funny story. to reflect on those moments and still get that heart rushing butterfly feeling yeah well there's nothing like a hot guy let's just let's just be real <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny well hey I'm gonna um I'm gonna pull up I got my 10 we got our little 10 questions we like to do kind of towards the end. There's no rush on this at all, but let me find them here. Take your time. These are fun. And we started out kind of easy. Favorite color. What's your favorite color? <laughs> oh, that's almost seasonal. Are you a spring? Did Derek get your colors done? No, we're young. I have not. I would say yellow right now. Yellow. Oh, I like yeah. yellow. My kitchen is bright yellow because it just, yellow is smile and warmth and sunshine and happiness and sunflowers. As yeah. my logo is a sunflower with a yin yang in the middle of it. Um, so it's, I think yellow is me. Or I try to be yellow, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I love yellow. I love it. Uh, 
Favorite meal? Um, don't tell Gary, but right now it's lunch. <laughs> well, <then> we can... <laughs> well, what do you like to eat for lunch? <laughs> so my lunch right now consists of, if, if, we, if we've had salmon the night before, he makes enough for me that I put salmon in my lunch as my mainstay. If not, it's black beans. And I add half an avocado, a tablespoon and a half of sunflower seeds, beets, goat cheese, and maybe peas and corn. And I have this square blue container that's about that big, and it fits in there. And, and I, I stay away from um, cow dairy, so I do a lot of goat dairy because I, oh, okay. I can't eat cow stuff. And I don't do gluten because it doesn't like my body. Yeah. Or my body doesn't like it. But that's typically my lunch. And then mm. I eat berries with coconut yogurt and I make my own granola. And yeah. I crave that every day. And that I started good. with two Brazil nuts. So the first thing that enters my body after a somewhere between 12 to 16 hour fast are Brazil nuts. Interesting. My stepmother um, that I grew up with, she's passed away, but she was uh, really into Brazil nuts as well. Two Brazil nuts a day. I mean, that yes. was going back to the 80s. I remember her doing that. Yep. I have a thyroid issue. So yeah. you need yeah. um, selenium, magnesium, and uh, iodine for your thyroid. And I take, I do the Brazil nuts and I take, no, I take um, uh, magnesium every night and I do one algae pill every day and I use iodized salt. Yeah. And it helps keep, and I do a real small, a real low dose thyroid pill every day. And uh, it, I'm perfect now, I'm, I'm even. Wow, cool. I know some people with thyroid issues. I will have to pass that on. Another great source of iodine is unsweetened cranberry juice. Super, super tart. You, you need about that much, but apparently it's a great way to get your iodine. You just got to either mix it with water or just swallow it down in one just big Just chug it. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's also good for your kidneys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of vitamin C too. So yeah. Okay. So what? And I I always count audio books because as I mentioned before, my vision is kind of screwed up. But what was the last book that you read or listened to? Ooh. I'm actually in the process of reading a book right now that was recommended to me by a friend online. I can't remember what it's called. Probably the last book I read was our Strong First Manual. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you probably read it a hundred times. <laughs> yes, I go back to it a lot. Um, but one, if, if this isn't one of your questions, I'm going to answer this. One of my favorite book is a book called Fight Like a Girl and Win. Oh. And it's a self-protection book. And uh, the lady who wrote it, her name is Lori Hartman Gravasi. And she, I actually reached out to her on Facebook and she and I are now friends on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, and every good. once in a while, if I do something else, she is a, uh, 
she's a black belt in Japanese karate, similar to what I do. Oh, very cool. Yes, yeah, so she, I will send her katas, videos of me doing katas, and she's like, that's so cool. So we talk about stuff sometimes. Awesome, awesome. Um, I'm sure that we will have people checking that out. That sounds like a great book. Favorite band or style of music? I'm an 80s chick. 80s. Yeah. Yes, I love Genesis and Phil Collins. Current music, I do a lot of Pink and uh, Megan Trainer. Okay, cool. Unless I'm lifting hard, and then it's ACDC, Metallica. Not too heavy. Not like Mike Sousa and Doc Hartle kind of heavy yeah. music. <laughs> not Slayer. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I can't quite do that, but. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we're doing a snatch test or a swing test or something, I put ACDC on. Sometimes yeah. I do um, the Uncle Cracker station on my Pandora. I like that oh, kind okay. of music, too. Yeah. I'm weird about music training. I um, I don't like it too heavy. Usually every once in a while it's fun, but usually I have the news on and I just kind of pick up because it's at five in the morning when I train. I just turn the oh. news on to try to get what's going on in the world, but I don't, I don't necessarily have to have just loud booming music to get me through a workout. Just, no. I don't know. That if I really do just... get up sometimes, I'll even put Enya on. Yeah. Cause it's nice. And, and that pulls me down from hard style, from the yang mm -hmm. that I live in all the time to yin. Gary and I went to Pittsburgh uh, a couple of years ago to visit Brett to go over level two stuff because I hadn't had my level two looked at in a long time. And he watched my get up and he's like, you need to soften. Because <laughs> everything about me is hard. Hard style kettlebells, hard style. Uh, hard style tree trimming. <laughs> yeah. Hard style arborist. <laughs> but um, I took that to heart what he said and have really tried to soften my training, especially when it comes to get-ups. Mm -hmm. And bed presses have to be a perfect balance of yin and yang also. They've got to be soft, but yet hard and patient, but yet kind. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I, I think any of us who've been through a, any kind of a recert, of recertification, have probably been told you need to back off just a little bit. <laughs> it's like you get through your first and you're, you know, and then, and then some time goes by and you start prepping for your research and it, it just is weird how the brain goes to just maximum overdrive. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> tone it down, tone it down a little. <laughs> yeah. I always, I tell people that my skills are that if Pavel knocked on my door at two o'clock in the morning, I could do everything. <laughs> and my one arm suffers because of my toe. Yeah. I can do a one arm at, a, at an elevation, but a full on the floor and one arm push up, my toe just, it, it is not allowing me. And now with the other toe, it's not allowing me to do it. Two hand push ups, I can pound those on all the time, but one arm loading that toe is not. And then I had shoulder I, surgery, so. Yeah. I wear, um, I found a compression sock, so 
just something that you'd wear like doing deadlifts maybe something about compressing the toe helped a little bit um doing them on carpet helps i haven't been training my one arm push-up lately but i i did have to deal with that when i restarted last year i, I got i had like a bad left hip so my right arm was a no-go and i had to test on my left which is my not so not as strong side and i was able to get the toe figured out and pass um and then i restarted a couple months later i was i was um assisting and i just wanted to do elite i just wanted to get all of them at once and i had them for three years and that toe kind of i mean it i i had to dig deep to get the elevated because i'm 50 now so i could go with a slight elevation yes and I was like, okay, phew, I got it. <laughs> because I, I definitely had to do some work. Um, I've been doing Jeff Newpert's sore knee solution. And I went through phase one and wasn't gonna continue because I was like, I gotta work on this toe and my knees are fine. But he was like, just do the second and third phase. And you do some mobilization of, your, of the toe in the third phase and it totally helps, it rocks. So- Oh, wow. Highly recommend to people with feet problems, but I do recommend you start at phase one and go through the whole thing because it is a progression and I think you need to learn the whole thing. So it'll take you a few weeks to get there, but um, I actually will feel my toe loosen up as I'm doing the, the exercises in the, in the third. Oh, day. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm covered. I've got arthritis, Me too. bone spurs all through my body. Plantar fasciitis, um, yeah. yeah. Thumbs. Now I've got carpal bilateral carpal tunnel, worse on my right than on my left. Running a chainsaw doesn't help that any. Running a lawnmower because I push mow the pond to trim it, that doesn't help any. <laughs> you know? But we got to live, right? <laughs> we have to live, and I'm not quitting. No, no, no. Okay. Um, last movie you watched. Well, I'm sure it was a war movie because I live with a veteran. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, Have yeah. you guys seen the newest Midway? Like they came out with a, a version of the, the classic movie Midway in the last year. It's actually really good. Is it? Yeah. Maybe I did. I did see one, a war. Oh, I saw that 1914. Her, oh, that's an awesome movie. Wow. I liked it more than Gary did, which was probably because he picked it apart, you know, in his military mind. Yeah. Because he, that man watched so much of the History Channel that one of his TVs from his mom's house, where he lived prior to me, because his mom wasn't healthy, he took care of her. The History Channel was burned into the corner of the television. <laughs> That's no joke. But uh, I thought that was a good movie. I don't really remember the last movie I watched. Because it takes, I have to like work up to watching a movie because come like eight, nine o'clock, I'm ready to fall asleep. Me too. Me too. We watch them on the weekends. And during the pandemic, I did, I did say, I want to watch every Marvel movie, you know, all the a Avengers. We started with Iron Man and got all the way through the last, but I, I actually enjoyed it. We'd watch two or three a weekend, but I, I learned, I, I actually now can follow. 
because I would just kind of hit pieces and my kids grew up with those movies and my, my, my two boys and my husband love them. And so now I feel like I understand what the whole thing is about. And I yeah. get it. I mean, it's, a, it's just, it's just comic book stuff. So it's like not to be taken too seriously, but I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I can share that with, with them because um, I, I just, I do get distracted. But I do have to stop and ask ask a lot of questions in those movies because I just don't know what what happened. So. My friend, who I told you was a two time cancer survivor, he works at our uh, the Richland County Detention Center, which is for juveniles. And, and this past week was um, Superhero Week, and last October mm. I bought a Wonder Woman costume. And for the YMCA, we do like a trunk or treat. Well, I dressed up in Wonder Woman and I walked for like however long the trunk or treat was. I just walked all over the parking lot at the Y dressed up as Wonder Woman. And it was, it filled me with so much joy to see these little girls eyes when Wonder Woman went walking by. So yeah. just a couple days ago, I dressed up as Wonder Woman and I looked up the history of Wonder Woman and I did a talk, a Zoom talk for the detention center dressed in my Wonder Woman costume oh, for the kids. That's awesome. And Gary sat down here kind of behind the scenes and held up the papers that I did. And I'm, I am Wonder Woman. I was born in 1941. My mother is, and it is said that my father is Zeus. I mean, just... <laughs> It was fun. That's really fun. That's super cool. All right. What is something you procrastinate? Oh. Um. Wow. Dusting. I hate dusting. Yeah. It is a time waster. So my house has very few knickknacks sitting around <laughs> because I hate, space for dust. <laughs> yes. I literally hate dusting. I guess that would probably be. That would be it. <laughs> well, that's better than saying you don't take the garbage out. No, that's Gary's job. <laughs> that's a man's job. It is I just heard that. I just heard somebody on a podcast talking about that, how they get real, they were a single woman and how she gets really angry because there's garbage piles up and she's like, that's a boy's chore and I'm not doing it. It was just being silly, but it's like, I do think a lot of us feel like, yeah, the garbage, that's the boy's job. I don't do that. <laughs> well, Gary will not do laundry. I, he doesn't, I don't even know if he knows where the washer and dryer are at in the house. I mean, that's obviously not true but we established a while ago that i will always do the laundry and he will always do the garbage and that's a fair trade i think so too I because i separate it i wash i even hang my laundry out to dry like oh, everything smells so good it does <laughs> smell good and it saves money and i i set i set my washer the night before so I only have like two loads to do during the day and I usually do it on Sunday. So I'm drinking coffee and the washer's going, but I, I just love doing that. Everything yes. from underwear to sheets goes outside. 
Oh, wow. No, I'm not that good. In fact, we're, our home project today, I should, shouldn't say our, Matt's home project today is fixing our dryer. It's got a bad squeak. So he's going to, and I, I have a new rule though, when it comes to appliances that we, we go one round of fixing, but then it's time to, to research a new appliance because I think we had a washing machine. We've been married, I don't know, 26 years this year. And I, we had a washing machine that we put way more money into a washing machine than a new washing machine costs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, we're just gonna, you know, have a rule about only fix it so many times. Right. Um, okay, so uh, what is your favorite animal? Touchable, oh. Mm. Any animal, it could be your spirit animal. It could be- I love tigers. Yeah. I just, um, my first karate school was called Tiger Paw Karate. Oh. And- uh, That's cool, because cool, it sounds yeah. hard but soft at the same time. Yeah, I just, I think they're beautiful, gentle, moving creatures that can be aggressive and kill whenever they need to. And they're, I just think they're beautiful. They're so uniquely printed, so to speak, mm -hmm. when they're created. I, I think I would have to say tigers. Tigers. That's awesome. Okay, so what is a hobby or interest that people listening or watching may not know about? Uh, wow. I like to bake. Baking? Yes. Um, since we have a, a gluten-free household, Gary and I are both gluten-free, I like to take regular recipes and make them gluten-free and dairy-free. And I like to make it a challenge. And now some things I like to try and make vegan. For instance, my homemade granola. I had gone to a gathering a few weeks ago, a nice social distance gathering, and I made vegan granola mm. because there were people who were vegan there and we wanted it was vegan granola and dairy free whipped topping to put on berries oh yeah um so i enjoy i enjoy doing things like because it's it's a it's a challenge it's a yeah it's a mental and tangible challenge and making cookies and finding different kinds of flour to make good cookies and good good gluten-free flour to make good cookies and good gluten-free pancakes with. And there are some that don't work well for pancakes. I can tell you that. They're like <laughs> rubber, they're really bizarre. <laughs> so that I guess would probably be it. You should put together a book. I could do that. They have great, um, I saw, uh, there's a guy here in town, a train, uh, he, well, he actually, he works, um, in my, in my company and he and his wife, um, they're, you know, she's like in nursing school and he sells cars and is, he also owns a gym. He's partners in a gym, but they put together a beautiful cookbook and they just did it on like, um, 
Microsoft PowerPoint, and then they just they just made it an ebook and sold it for twenty bucks. It was awesome. That's a thought. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. She basically modified a whole bunch of things that he liked. Like he's kind of in a bodybuilding, modified a bunch of stuff that he likes for to kind of fit more um, healthy and kind of the macros he was trying to eat. And so <laughs> I bought the book. It was really good. And everything was either in an Instapot or a Crock-Pot. Like she had all these things she was trying to do. So she modified all these recipes and then she just put it out there and they made a little money and yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, a little side gig. <laughs> yeah. As if, as if we all need more side gigs, right? I um, know, right? I still got more <laughs> trees to cut, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's a good winter project. <laughs> yeah. So what, is, and it sounds like you've been to a lot of places. So what is your favorite vacation place? Um, I think, oh man, that's, that's a rough question. Vacation, we haven't gone, our five-year anniversary, we took my daughter and her best friend and it was a working vacation. We went to Orlando and stayed at a resort. And I think I taught a course and a seminar. I think the ocean would probably be, I love the beach. I like to walk on the beach, smell the ocean, hear the ocean. Although I've never been, really been to the mountains, so I can't compare the two, but I would have to say water, any place near like an ocean. Yeah, I have would to have. agree and I, I see the ocean a lot, <laughs> like every week. <laughs> uh, it doesn't get old. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is, there's just something about being overwhelmed with that sound and then the smell and uh, it can get kind of cold, but it it's, it's calming. It's very calming. I think there's a reason why people like to go and meditate and just, you know, or why they go to sleep with ocean sounds. It's, it's, you know, it's, there's something about it and it doesn't get old. So no. come see I, me. You can see both mountains and ocean in Oregon. <laughs> We've got oh, it all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to do karate in the sand. Oh yeah. That'd be so cool. It does. It's, it's cool to watch your, anyway, it's that weirdo in me that, the, the karate geeky thing, follow the, the path and the sand of the pattern that I moved in. That's wow. kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, so one more. Um, what is something people may get wrong about you? Ooh, you did go from easy to hard, didn't you? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Huh, may get wrong about me. My age, I think. A lot of people put me in my 30s, not almost 50. I would say that for sure. I think. It's the strength training, people. It keeps it young. It keeps and our skin young. Yes, <laughs> and good fats. Oh, for sure. You know, I switched a lot of things to 
I actually saw, I get my health care through the VA, and um, I'd seen a, a, a dietitian for a while, and uh, I made changes in my nutrition, and uh, I think that half an avocado a day, and I eat pecans, I, I've been known to eat a pound of pecans in a weekend. Not that I advocate doing it, but I just did it because they were there. Um, and it, and it didn't food. affect my waistline any. Wow. Uh, but I think those good fats really, they, you know, beauty and age on your face is not something that comes from a jar. It's what you put inside your body. Um, I drink 100 ounces of water a day, and the only thing I use to moisturize my skin and take my makeup off with is coconut oil. Hmm. That's all I use, and I think that's made a huge, a huge difference in my appearance. Like, if I look at pictures of me from last year, I can see a difference in my eyes, mm -hmm. and I've just added more fat. More, more good, healthy fats. Yeah. yeah. And I, th I um, went through the precision nutrition curriculum a few years ago. And one of the things that they talk about is a variety of fats too. So, um, you know, try to get a little saturated fat, try to get a little un mono unsaturated fat, polyuns, you know, you just want to, you want to ha have a wide range. Certain ones are better than others, obviously. But I, th I took that to heart. I tried to incorporate that in my diet. And I think it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. All these things, all these things, we gotta stay up on in the world of right. In the world and of I health. Believe too that you know, I was just talking to um, my student who's going to the dome, and uh, the biggest thing at a certification that everybody freaks out about is the snatch test. For and sure. I, I believe fully because I've done it. I freaked out and I've had it easy. When I went through my level one, I was 118 pounds. And before I left, I had done a snatch test with a 16 kilo with ease. So the 12 kilo was a cakewalk. I had my snatch test done in three minutes, 33 seconds, and I was not fatigued. Now, the training pro protocol that I used was the Music's Level 1 prep program, which is on Facebook. There's a little plug for that. But it's a great program. And Gary overtrains, which I was thankful for because my Level 1 was a cakewalk. And not many people can say that. But because I followed that program, it was very, very, very easy. Like, we didn't practice a five-minute snatch we practiced the secret service snatch test to the extreme. So you were not allowed to put the bell down. We would do a 10 minute snatch and you can't put the bell down. You rested up top. But it's a mind game. What I mean is you can't make it out to be a big deal in your mind. Mm -hmm. If it becomes a mind game, then that in turn controls your body. So you, I just think 20, 20 or 10, 10, set it down. Ding, ding, 10, 10, set it down. Ding, ding. And you just do that five times and it's over with. Mm -hmm. 
and it's easy. So when it even comes to nutrition and feeding your body and things that are out there, like, I don't know about your state, but Ohio has been so controversial about wearing a mask for heaven's sakes. Don't make it to be such a big deal. Just do it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes much easier. Whenever you put that mental game in, it makes it more difficult. Just say, this isn't a big deal, and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And then it's easier. No, it is. And in Oregon, it's, it hasn't been as controversial, but there's a few people. There was some pushback. Um, most people don't want to keep business open, so we do it. And I say, yeah. I mean, we, we, and, and in my business, I'm in a family business, and my husband and I and my two brothers are, we all work there. We immediately all started wearing the mask. It's like, well, the leaders have to do it. I mean, right. We can't expect, we can't expect everybody else to wear a mask. And obviously, if somebody forgets and they walk down the hall, you're not going to, you know, jump them. <laughs> That's right. just reasonable here, people. And I tell customers, I'm like, next time you come, wear a mask. I have one if you need one. Yeah. So, it's just, I don't know. I, I agree. And I think that you can still have the debates. You can still have the conversations, but just, gosh, just put your mask on. Just do it. We can talk yes. about it later. <laughs> right. And quit making things out to be such a big deal. Yeah. They're just not. No, they're not. It's not, I mean, the, it's not the mask of the beast. It's not, I mean, there's a lot of things about the government, I think, that we can be critical of, state, local, federal. And masks are the least of our worries. Oh my yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a well, snatch test is not a big deal. It's only five minutes. That's true. It is. Yep, it is. It's only five minutes. So you I used to tell myself that I I when I was a kid, I tried track and I was horrible. I'm just I'm not a good runner. I'm not fast. And for some reason, I think it was because I wasn't that super fast sprinter. Um I could do the endurance stuff, but I wasn't really fast at it. And obviously, if you want to win track meets, you need fast people in races. So they'd always stick me in like the 400 or the 800, which are the worst races you could do. And I would just tell myself, this is just, you know, two minutes of your life or however long it took, <laughs> three minutes of your life. And I still, I was awful, but that's, that was how I got through it. Yeah. Out of your whole life, Amy, this is three minutes. So just suck it up. <laughs> I used to compare everything to my first degree black belt test. That the sparring part seemed to go on forever. I was the only female, so I was uh, fighting, so to speak, with guys. And at any minute, I could have three guys come in and fight. Two of them go in, a new one come in, and there's me in the middle just constantly sparring. And at that time, if I quit, I failed. Oh, wow. So there was no quitting. I wanted to pass. And I had nothing, like I said, but guys, I was the first female black belt in that school. Wow. So there is no quitting for me. It's you do it. Yep. You do it. And do it, people. Don't quit. No. <laughs> well, hey, Renata, we have been, this has been awesome. We've gone like an hour and 40 minutes. So. Are you serious? Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, just flies by. A couple gals chit chatting. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna sign off. I will have this up today on YouTube and probably by tomorrow on the others. It takes longer for me for some reason to get the audio ones up because there's some editing. So I'll get this up. It was so nice to see you. You too. Can't wait till our paths cross again. When whenever that may be. <laughs> hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. Hope everyone is, has a great weekend. And for those um, at the Dome, I'm sure you won't be listening to this this weekend, but good luck and hope you had fun. And uh, just everybody, just get through it. We're, gonna, we're all going to make it. We're all going to get through this. So we try something new. Will. That's my advice, everybody. Try something new. Do something new this weekend. <laughs> all right. Yep. Signing off. Bye, everyone. Bye.